Welcome to another edition of Michael L. Craver Presents, coming to you from a beautiful studio right here in North Carolina. I'm fresh off an exhausting evening with my father last night, and uh, it's been quite a week, uh, to say the least. We put some artificial turf in, um, we had another project we put on hold, we were going to do some acid and uh, another uh, was just to improve a shelving uh, organizational spice rack from Amazon. And nothing eloquent about that. A lot of things that uh, come for cheap have very cheap components. And so the, to put one of those to rest, uh, essentially we just swapped out what were screws and uh, back end um, fasteners for nuts and bolts, um, but I can tell you this: uh, whatever they sent from Amazon, or however they sourced out those fasteners, it, they just weren't that high quality, as many things in the world are. And in an ironic twist, the changes that we made were for some Harbor Freight nuts and bolts that my dad has had for probably 30 years uh, in his shop. He's, you know, he's got a collection of things that are there uh, until they're needed for a project, and then they're not, and he just you know, donates them. So we spent time uh, fixing the shelving components. The other, the artificial turf story uh, is courtesy of the Duke alumni, um, they're the, probably the most important people in that chain. At some point in the last uh, year or two, um, they had redone the athletic fields for Duke University's football, soccer. And so uh, when they put new turf down, um, a place in Rockingham was able to uh, get that contract, do that work, and they kept the old turf, sold it, still selling it, best of my knowledge, and a friend of uh, the podcast uh, hooked me up with uh, that information. So I made my way over there um, in, a, in an ironic twist. If I didn't tell this story already on the podcast. My backyard um, here is not, the fenced-in area is not very big. So it's, you know, 400 square feet. When I priced that with a company um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, they wanted $4,000 to come out, prep the land, do the turf, and, and be finished. I spent $150 on twice as much material as they needed. And the labor was not cheap. One of the young men who helped me put it in is a, a very outstanding uh, member of the, the inspection and the administrative uh, council in the city of High Point. The other one is a very uh, widely, worldwide praised uh, software engineer uh, for uh, the world's biggest um, computer company. And um, we had fun. And so that's family for you. But uh, yeah, significantly cheaper, you know, less than uh, 1% of what they wanted to charge me uh, to put it in. And I had excess material. So anyway, last evening, uh, we took some of that excess material, having learned lessons from the first time. 
time around and doing my yard. Uh, and we quickly did another yard of uh, about uh, 200 square feet. So that was interesting. It's been an interesting evening. And, and I mentioned I mentioned that my aunt and my father might do some acid. Uh, a play on words. Uh, we, we were going to do an experiment with some acid because... The hope chest that he built my mother years ago has um, a stain uh, because I was short-sighted in having some plants on top of this uh, chest. And uh, though I'd put in some towels down, put plates underneath the plants to catch moisture as sort of a, a barrier, it still trapped moisture in those towels and sealed it against the um, stain. Minwax is, is how it had been stained in the past. And he built it for my mother's um, wedding gift years and years ago. Um, it's over 40 years old. So when I peeled, and when I say peeled, it sounded that way, it felt that way. When I peeled the towel off of the chest where there had been plants on it. I took the plants off, took the, the towel, and I'm going to throw it in the washing machine, right? Because it's been sitting here as a water barrier. Yep. And now there's a big uh, light spot um, where it has bonded the towel to the chest and pulled the stain out with the water. So uh, I got with my father, who originally made the chest, and said, you know, what do you think? So we took the hinges off. This is why we have to do acid. Uh, do something with some acid. Uh, you, you take the hinges off, and now there's rust after 40 years of having hinges that have had water and debris and other buildup. And in order to clean that, oxalic acid, O-X-A-L-I-C, oxalic acid will uh, act as a bleaching agent for wood. So you essentially mix that with water, um, and then you take a sponge and... You're going to brush that down, and it will return the wood to its original color. And we're going to do that with the areas affected, and then restain the chest uh, so it'll look modernized. Uh, we're not going to restain all of it, just the lid. And uh, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to give new life, or at least a further life, to something that I set back. Uh, I was All I was doing was watering a bonsai tree and some Chinese evergreens that are in my office. But as I was giving one thing life, apparently I was depriving the other thing of its, you know, cosmetic beauty. We're going to make the world right again. So we're, <laughs> we're going to do that. And that's how I've been spending my recreational time for the week. Um, otherwise, and some folks in the world know what I do for a living and others don't. Um, that's that's between us. But I was I was recently promoted in my... Uh, role in the real world uh, besides the, the podcast here. So I've, I've got my own uh, 40,000 square feet and team and department and staff. And it, it's probably something that I should have had at the age of 23. Uh, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to get it now. Going into the wintertime, working indoors, working with people, being able to dress up in collared shirts and entertain folks and yeah, I think it'll be great. I, as soon as I, I heard about the news, I started looking at wardrobe and, you know, I'm growing my hair out with a 
an unbalanced way of having the top longer and the sides undercut. So I can put hats on. I can. And I've got very interesting ways to style my hair. But I went and looked at hats. I asked some questions. There's a dress code, right? No, 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 there's not. As long as you don't wear anything offensive. And I said, really? You mean I can support the New York Rangers all year long? That's right. So, yeah, there's a there's a growing collection of New York Rangers hats hanging on my office rack and uh, some other unique hats from Pepsi and Coca-Cola and stuff that I've collected over the years. Um, if you've seen different photographs of me, is the uh, Coca-Cola hat that has a bottle opener along the outside of the rim. It comes from, if you're looking to buy one, it comes from eBay. It's very rare, but the, the seller will make one every so often and put it up for sale. I own one and I own a backup because... It's cool. It's heavier on one side because it's got a big metal bottle opener <laughs> on that side of the hat. So it does not rest evenly if you don't snap the hat tight. Or or you can do what I do, which is wear the hat tilted, uh, which is fine with me. It's, it's my style. And then I looked at all this footwear and stuff to go with the job. And I said, I'm going to get some Magnum High Tech boots like when I used to wrestle. And I'm going to stomp that. Well, no, I'm not. Uh, apparently you can wear whatever, you know, as long as shoes are safe, tennis shoes, something with some good traction. Uh, we're working with tens of million dollars worth of, uh, product a year in my department. So, uh, yeah, you, you want to dress the part, but you also want to make sure that you're very functional, uh, which was the purpose of the boots. They're, they're on hold for the time being. I own enough shoes, tennis shoes, Under Armour, uh, Project Rock shoes. Uh, and um, some very good Sketcher memory foam work shoes that'll last many, many, many miles that I've worked in, in restaurants. And the perfect thing about those Sketchers is they're a memory foam shoe, but you can actually, mine are rather large size, and then you can slide the Dr. Scholl's memory foam. Uh, I think it's a size 13 memory foam that I slide in there as well. So it's got double cushioning. So good. So good. And the shirt thing, make sure you wear a collared shirt. Well, I already have a decent collection of collared shirts, whether they're cheaper or whether there's from you know, Banana Republic and Stafford. And then I have some nice, what I consider to be interesting, uh, manly kind of shirts from um, Carbon to Cobalt and Drill Company Clothing or Drilling Drilling Clothing Company. Anyway, if you if you go filtering through ebay there are people who are willing to let some of those things go at a lower rate but you know the newer shirts are all 70 to 200 dollars or whatever and i know what you're thinking well that's kind of a rough job you're you know wear a shirt like a guy would wear to an office that's right that's right it's who i am gonna outdress everybody outperform everybody i'm a very competitive guy so, yeah, and if you've been engaging in conversation with me lately, maybe I've been a little more upbeat, funnier, listen a little better. I don't know, but uh, those things have brought me some some good windfall um, personally and professionally too now. Speaking of personally, I'm reaching over here. There's, I'm not happy about uh, consumption and the, the articles I've been writing, but I can tell you that I consumed uh, two whole chickens, uh, from the uh, Methodist Church 
fundraiser last Saturday. They sell a half chicken with a portion of baked beans, red slaw, in each tray. I ended up with four of those. <laughs> and that night I ate a whole ch- I ate two, so I ate a whole chicken and, and um, on the bone. It's rotisserie. Oh, it's spectacular. Um, ate two that night. Ate another, the last half today. And very happy to, to support the church. That money goes to uh, different projects with the Habitat for Humanity for the kids to be able to go off and do these um, youth group deals like the Carolina Cross Connection where they branch out into the several locations around the state of North Carolina. They do basically the same style work as Habitat for Humanity where they there are candidates cleared through a process. They do some sort of improvement to their home and... Uh, and keep them company and keep their spirits up. The other thing, a lot of the money goes to uh, the Winston-Salem Rescue Mission, um, close to where I'm from, which has been a project uh, that the, the the church has been doing my entire life. Um, every once a month, they have the, the meeting for the Methodist men, 6 a.m. before uh, church, and, and have breakfast and discuss business and... Um, Everybody's welcome to get you know to come that uh, has anything to add or just wants to you know be part of the solution. And I can remember so many times going over there and at the end of the big batches of eggs and, and everything. Right, so we would discuss um, all of these things, and I'm glad to see they're all still going. And they send me a lot of mail. I'm sitting this right here is the. Uh, ben is grateful and blessed this Thanksgiving. Why don't you show him some support and send him this many dollars or feed this many people and so forth and so on. So they send me a lot of reminders that I could be doing more for the mission, um, which is fine. It's their way of staying in business, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of one of those things where when you start feeding the animals, the animals start coming back. So. Be be careful if you're out there, you're looking for something good to do with your money, that those good things uh, can can develop a healthy appetite for your for your donations for your money. The mouth-watering Big Mac with a savory filio fish and a tasty McChicken. My goodness, that looks good. Oh, oh, you're making a McDonald's menu hack. Yes, a land, air, and sea. Oh, it's going to tip over. No, it's good. It's good. Very stable. Order the land, air, and sea by name, build it by hand, and hack the McDonald's menu. I'm surprised at how attracted I am to it. They warned us about that years ago when I was working in restaurants because they would say if you give your money, you know, the food to this place or that place, uh, they would give some of the leftovers to different places or, you know, etc. And they said those places would start showing up early. To try to get things that were not necessarily left over, et cetera, et cetera. And it was not the same sort of freedom to give to them so much as it became an obligation. Or they there was pressure involved that wasn't originally there. And we it was not designed that relationship. The giving was never designed in a way for you to be pressured into further giving. So uh you know, you know, and it's like that with a lot of things. You you donate to different projects. You're going to be part of good things. 
they often reach back out to you and say, we really love what you're doing for us. Could you do more? And uh, that's a balance you have to determine for yourself. That's something I've learned in so many ways through relationships. The more that you enable someone to be greater, it's a complicated situation whether they become a more self-sufficient sort of person where you've developed a relationship of giving them resources and perhaps they're going to further their independence. They're going to further their skill set to be able to take care of themselves, right? They've developed this um, foundation underneath them and this structure where they don't need you anymore. They could cut you loose. There's many, many examples of people who never develop that level of self-reliability, that difference where I'm giving money to someone to go to school, to be a, a good boyfriend, a good father, whatever it might be, and that money is feeding into them further investing into something else that still needs a lot of investment in the future. So... It remains to be seen whether or not they could actually ever do it without your contributions. Whereas, I look at it in a completely different way. The sooner the better that you can do without their contributions, the better of a partner you can be. Because if two people get together, and I have my budget, and let's let's pick, uh, I don't know, it's football season, Green Bay. Madison, Wisconsin, right? So we'll, we'll name the girl Madison. Um, if myself and um, and Brett Favre over there are gonna, or me and Brett are gonna have a relationship, me and me and the Madison <laughs> Madison person gonna have a relationship, then it's great if me and Brett pool our resources together, and now we have twice the budget either one of us needs on our own. Now, when we get together, I'm going to have to eat, and he's going to have to eat, right? Yeah, well, you use this much energy, and I use this much energy. So will it increase my power bill if we're together? Yes, but it will decrease his power bill in certain ways, right? Because you don't pay the startup fees, the single uh, account penalties, and all these things that go into it. That's why when a family plan for your cellular devices is proposed to you, you're, you know, you're all over that, right? Because it's a way to save some money. Living together, cohabiting, is something that many, many uh, cultures, even in America, um, still do. They will pile a lot of people into a place to try to get every, you know, as many people as they can on their feet. And it's a way for people to save money and have sort of a colony inside of uh, one house. And then, as they can, they branch off. It makes everybody's life a little more strenuous because you're sharing so much space and because... Uh, it requires a certain level of not just morality, but this different level of compassion for how many different people are together. It could be, could be, like the experiment of a prison or a boiling point could be reached. Um, those of you who've ever seen the Stanford experiment, etc., like in those situations, you have a lot of people living together. People, often there's folks with more power than others. And whether or not they abuse it, whether or not the work-life balance stays good for everybody, there everybody has a good social network in there. I mean, it's easy to get forgotten in a big house. So uh, those things are excellent uh, in order to 
when they go well to develop great family, great community, to branch out to save money. And they work, uh, the same circumstances work with me and, and Mr. Favre. We're going to cohabit, and uh, me and this Madison person, <laughs> me and the, the Packers, the Green Bay guys, the football season people, uh, we're going to get together for football season, and we're going to you know, root, and we're going to play, and we're going to fight through to see if we can be better people and have great success. So if you are with a roommate, a best friend, otherwise, and you guys get along, and you can save some money, and you can get your feet underneath yourself, it's not necessarily a charity situation like when I'm giving to the men's mission, right? Because they're not giving back to me. Hopefully they're developing you know, good people and, and good things for the community, rehabilitating men. There's a lot of people who get trade and uh, schooling out of that. So it, in, it indirectly, for me, makes my community better. And I may or may not ever see directly a benefit from that. But when you are, are doing that with somebody else, if you're doing extra shifts at a restaurant or otherwise you're working a second job to give money to your kids and put them through cheerleading or sports or whatever that might be, same thing is, is going on there. You're working extra to give to a cause that is going to better structurally develop another person, whether they are your kid or, or whatever it may be. That's good for you. That's community. Um, I don't see how any of that is really rough on the sort of things I've been writing about with consumption, where you know the more people, the more we use, the rougher it's going to be. Well, guess what? When you put everybody together and get along, and you all work on a budget where maybe it's not as frivolous and um, leisurely as you're used to, where everybody gets you know their own Ferrari for the day. No, but everybody's got something to eat and everybody's got friends and exercise and we're living a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm sorry that all of you don't have like your own, you know, full spice rack and makeup cabinet and whatever else with all of these excessive, recreational, unnecessary sorts of things. Do they conveniently flavor up your life or, you know, have some sort of superficial use? Of course. But it's not essential to your heart beating. world can do without many of those things. And it, you know, the argument being that it could be without me and you. Yeah, it, I mean, it'll go on. The animals will do what they're doing. If there weren't any human beings, you know, the world, it will adapt as time goes on. Uh, but if you're very honest with yourself, the better that you can get along with other people and help make your departments at work stronger you can make your relationships at home stronger those are excellent things and i've had people who pounced all over me about oh no i would never work in a remote setting like i have in the past a restaurant setting because they just think you know people are unpredictable and they couldn't handle it. a retail setting because oh not retail oh if <laughs> i just don't understand the apprehension for those things uh, good people are where you find them. Uh, they're where you develop them. And you can have some of the best relationships in some of the worst circumstances. Those guys who go to war and come home with lifelong friends, uh, there's a lot of pressure in those situations. They survived. Um, there's a lot of damage done in those situations. So let's be very clear that that's, um, that's not a pristine example. 
But when you go to work and you form these you know, great relationships with people that you spend an 8, 10, 12 hours a day with, you have friends. And there's a large, large disclaimer policy, this written language from human resources in these big companies where you're not supposed to discuss race and religion and politics and sex and whatever else, right? It's, it's strictly business. It is in writing. Now, do people complain? Of course they complain. You know, the major things being the harassment, uh, things that have to do with maybe politics or saying some wild thing, uh, ageism, racism, whatever. But literally the most of the community things that you could discuss, like whether you're married or have kids or otherwise, are still covered under that same policy with what should be and is written down as the same penalty but you don't go complaining because so-and-so's you know talking about what's going on around them and how they're spending the money on the park down the street or you know what you know what they should be doing with the bus system are you complaining about that no but you're complaining if peggy and and you know wanda are talking about hot guys or they say something disturbing to you maybe they believe a certain thing about a certain culture i've got to go complain (laughs) <laughs> and do it I don't it is what it is it's not protected by free speech the same way it's a private company and they can enforce these kinds of rules but it's it's so strange the sensitivity level that so many folks have because when there's a mutual respect for people being able to discuss things that's great but if you're looking at it in terms of yes it it can and can't be done by policy all of those other things can't be done either you can't talk about you know marriage or whatever so it's it's no different than if you're hitting on a girl and saying she's dateable whatever your variation of that is you know how i feel about people from scotland how do you feel about people from Scotland, Larry? <laughs> oh my God! But it, 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 that's part of the world is to talk, and so it's it's really difficult to run that sort of overhead transparency of an environment where you come into work and you can say, "All right, it's eight o'clock, and we're going to do forty-five activities today. We're going to move this many deliveries." All right, we're going to program this many applications today. All right. How you doing? You need any more buttons for your keyboard? Okay, sounds good. I guess we're going to go on with our day and talk about nothing. It sounds boring, right? People talk about things. They joke about things. You develop inside jokes, but then you tie those jokes into a multicultural, this spider web that ties back to the real world because then you have these other things that are humorous and they take away from the grind and it creates the atmosphere underneath you. You tie them back to some song or whatever that might be. That's interesting, but it's really difficult once you're able to start making these outside connections from just the topic at hand. Once you stop talking about math and you tie math, you know math is important because math is in science and there's chemical formulas and equations. And you know they use math in music because they do it four bars. And Wait, what? We're talking about math. No, no. I'm just trying to tell you how to make a beat, man. No, no. We're not talking about beating off here. Wait, I didn't say that. 
it's very hard to have a generic work environment, and it's very hard to just be a person who's independent of your community. I give back to the community and the mission and so forth and so on because I think everything is connected. I think if you're having conversations at work, literally everything in the world is connected. So it's very difficult to just tell rational human beings to stop being human for this many hours a day. You do in some shape, form, or fashion, right? Because you tell them where they can be and where they can go and they have to be inside of these four walls or accountable to these behaviors. I understand the experiment you're trying to run and what you want to do because you're trying to run a business. But, 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 I also have seen that the more human you can make the business, the more organic and sort of, it's structured, but it treats people with a good work-life balance, or it treats people in such a way that they're able to speak and be comfortable, right? And that's comfortable language, but then you get into these very... Very muddy waters of 2022. What's comfortable for you to talk about, Cindy? Well, you know, certain things upset me. Oh, my God. (laughs) So you've all agreed to talk about work, so that's where they draw the line. Because there's some people, and they're going to be Republican, and these are going to be Democrats, and they're going to be woke, and these people want to be strict. and (laughs) It's hard for everybody to accept each other. It's not like that house I'm describing where there's 12 people trying to spend money and live as a family. They don't care. They're not required. They're not blood relatives. They're working together. They don't have family. Could they be your work family? Sure, you could develop this very appreciative atmosphere for everybody you work with. Hey, so-and-so over there, I don't know what the hell he's doing. Oh. Well, let's talk to him. Let's see if we can help him out. Because the better he is, the better our team is. You're only as strong as your weakest link. Well, you can look at it in an optimistic way like that. Or you can spin it around and you can say, you know, we're going to be doing something tonight. It involves some ski masks. What are you doing? We're going to lose some dead weight. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) Old Walter over there has been dragging us down for too long. Oh, okay. Well. My bad. I didn't know we were getting rid of Walter. But it's one of those things where it, you know, there's there's certain ways to look at the world. You know, you're going to put the old dog down. You know, you're going to um, cut off loose ends. And, and I don't take any options off the table because it depends on the circumstances. But policy is designed in such a way that it is supposed to be kind enough to any given person who is qualified for the position to be able to act accordingly. And the same thing is true when I'm giving money to charity. If if I'm giving money to places, there are federal laws in place for how they can spend that money and whether they act accordingly for a nonprofit organization. Right? We all got rules to live by. And, um, I just, I think one of the things that I enjoy most about, like I was working with my father and he's got, I think his Google Home is what he has in his shop. So if you're out there listening on iTunes, you're thinking about, hey, we're going to you know, advertise on his show. Hey, wait a minute, we're not advertising on his show. He's look, Nobody's paying me for these stories. 
So dad, who gets his technology from, the as I call him, the wizard, my brothers, but he, there's no telling how many things people have sent to him to test or do, you know, for free companies, you know, because of what he does. But he has, you know, set this up for my father. He's got Google Home out in the shop. He's listening. He's listening to the same stuff he's always listened to. They're playing Seals and Crofts and John Denver and Harry Chapin and Don McLean and, you know, his dad's singing American Pie while we're out there uh, prepping this artificial turf. Which is great, right? I, I grew up on these same things. Oldies 93.1. We used to put it on the radio. It'd be blasting out of the old Chevy S10 uh, while we're framing houses and whatever we're doing. This was not a time where there was Bluetooth speakers and things like that. We pulled up with a truck to the job site and the truck was the radio. Yes, you could have plugged in a radio if there was power to the job site. These were houses that were still being built, people. So anyway... Dad's doing this this thing. He's still listening to the old music. You know, it's, it sounds the same, but it's new technology. And it's just so interesting to hear him tell stories about work because he's he's overseeing and helping with infrastructure for this city of growing people. There's so much money going through there. and The university's getting ready to get a law school. You know, they're trying to get a football team at some point. I mean, they're... There's a lot of there's prosperous money going through there for this area in North Carolina. It's not in the top four, but they want to be. <laughs> they've, they've got some aspirations, and um, Dad gets to be part of the the city around there, and that city is influenced by the money that comes through that university. So it is all woven together. Whether you go to the university or not, you want to pull for the university because the university helps light up the city. It drives traffic and tourism and all of this money that comes from these parents that send kids to live there. Those people end up supporting local restaurants and it creates jobs on campus and maintenance that has to be done to all these buildings and have roads to and from. Of course, there's furniture markets and other things that are going on in the city. So it's not a one-trick pony by any means. But the reason that city can thrive is if everybody gets along. It's the same thing as that house, except it's a house of, well, depending on how far you're making your measurements, two million people. And I find that to be intriguing. I like the idea that we can find a balance. I talk about that at great length, write about that at great length about consumption and balance. You know, you live in a world that has plenty of air and water and everything else. If everybody is, um, I don't know if there's a good abstract word. Let's use respectful. But if you think about it that way and you go, yeah, that's that's true. If, if I was to try to be more sustainable, and, you know, I really don't need my air conditioning set on 50 degrees. Wait, what? Well, sometimes I'm just too hot. Like, like That's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for you in many, many ways. But not only for you and the power bill and the people around you, but the carbon footprint it leaves. You know, I'm not telling everybody that they have to live the same lifestyle by any means. But having structure without total freedom is really where you're going. 
um, what is the quote that was in my book? Let's see if I can bring it up while I'm talking. But when you have too many of those choices and too many things out there, it allows for people to essentially be irresponsible and then wear this blanket of freedom over their shoulders and just call it choices and call it, oh, this is an option. Well, it's not an option to destroy, you know, the planet for, for everybody. I mean, that's just ridiculousness. Just because you could, you know, the biggest company in town dumps toxic waste in the water. Well, I promise you that once they do that, it ruins it for everybody. No matter how many people are using their products or no matter how necessary it is for them to have the jobs to run the town, nothing can excuse uh, once you start putting all that stuff in the water that it can't be undone. It very much is this sort of life of of excess up to the point that now it's unsustainable. I mean, that's what the word excess means. Excess is more than what is sustainable. And it's a shame to find that out, you know, when it's too late. You know, they found that out in 29 when they had the stock market crash and it's happened other times in history, the housing market of 2008, you know. We had it so good, and then we didn't anymore. And I don't want there to be some sort of a disaster so that anything I'm saying is kind of an I told you so sort of moment, because that's ridiculousness. You know, having failure for the sake of the example is quite the... As far as I am concerned, it's quite the sadistic kind of mindset because when you look at it that way, it's almost like you're trying to say, hey, um, you lost your hand picking grass out of the mower while it was still running. I told you not to do that. I told you so. Mm-hmm, I was right. Well, what good is it to be right if there's been harm done? I just, I'm not following along with that that mindset, I just, I don't see the the good in being able to point a finger at something that is, has been just completely, well, not just life-changing, but something that's, it, it is, it's literally just completely awful for the person on the other side. I've never looked at it and said, okay, well, there's climate change, those people got buried under a volcano, <laughs> Check it out. I bet they're dancing pretty hot deaths right now down there in Satan's playground. I know. I don't think they they chose to, you know, be the victim of some sort of magma sandwich over there underneath the volcano. That's not what their goal was in being excessive or living like that. James Dean didn't drive his car too fast because he thought it'd be a great idea to be a living legend. In early death, like, I'm sure he'd much rather have been alive and been modest, you know. Only the people of his estate may even have any kind of argument there that he's he's better off dead. Cha-ching! Like, I just, I'm not following that. And 
it's so strange when when folks don't uncover that layer of it. It's like you have the initial discussion. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, okay, cool. And you just keep moving. But there was really a lot more to be said. There's people who carry a lot of baggage. They're, they've been through a lot. They may have lost loved ones or brothers or fathers or whatever it might be. And those are those are rough stories. They often are not going to be uncovered in a very short exchange like that. It's only that deep dive, that sort of sacrifice that you have between people who've been to war and survived, between people who have lived in these harder situations where you have big colonies of people in a house or you have a city that is unruly and un, you know it's got to be rebuilt somebody's got to make the peace we're all going to have to you know work together and there's not going to be this dramatic level of bougie rubbing in your face top dog kind of thing and a different layer of people who are very jealous and need to they do. They they have their own way of rebelling against that. They steal from people. They loot. They you know. But that's the nature of number one um, humanity. It's part of its jealousy. Some of it can be necessity. You deprive those people of what they need to live. The other is just this outrageous human spirit that we have. People get mad and they they destroy things. They want to see people cut down. Like I said, I, I'm not for somebody who's sitting there going, yep, that James Dean, he got what he deserved. Like, it's it's tragedy one way or the other. Somebody did something that was reckless, and it wasn't actually reckless. It was a wreck. Nobody's happy about that, you know. I, I, I don't see it like that. Um, but if you're one of those folks who just, you know, you're – sadistic and you think well you know what he got what he deserved well you'd be a great guy for wrestling because those are the guys the the bad guys in in wrestling uh who are very um hated it would be a good way of saying it um they just you know they point fingers and go i told you so They don't acknowledge the tragic or the compassionate side of the situation. They look at it in this very, very manipulative light of, okay, now there's been a school shooting. Now is the time to act. Now we can take this um, situation of great despair, people looking for answers, people are unhappy, they're very easily influenced. That's what that is. And so they take these people and they do unsavory things. They make up stories. They manipulate. It's the same thing that you see in these. They call them um, caretakers in some states, but it's the idea that you have an older person who doesn't know any better someone who says i, I i'm going to take you you know over here i'm going to be your power of attorney i'm going to look after you and your your estate <laughs> well they don't say it like that but that's what they're doing <laughs> they're trying to get their hands on your money and they may try to get you to be a little comfortable but believe me there's something in it for them too 
and that's that's why it's really um, it's really good to have friends to network to build a big cluster of everything that works together because it develops sort of a social immune system where we can flush out those sort of behaviors. Hopefully we can correct them. Often we have to uh, punish the people involved. And um, that's rough. That's rough. The history quote. I don't think this is the exact freedom quote that I was looking for. Um, well, there you go. The right to do something does not mean that doing it is right. So that was that was an interesting one from uh, William Sapphire in the New York Times. But it was on the same page as freedom. That's I think that's why I said that. Freedom is the right to be wrong, not the right to do wrong. And that's John Daffenbaker. Um, I like that a lot. I mean, it's it's. I love quote books. I have a couple of them on my desk. There's other cartoon books and things around me. People ask me what I read or how I'm developing the flavors. I have it's it's what entertained me. It, what, I'm sorry, what entertains me. But also, I try to be extremely conscionable about the content that comes in front of me and whether it belongs in some version to somebody else. Because I don't like that. Am I influenced by the things that I learn? Of course, I'm using the English language to say these words and write the things that I'm doing. I'm the Chicago Code or whatever you may use for your structure and your writing uh, is obviously something that I'm going to try to interject so that I have sentence structure and punctuation, you know, all the, all the good things. You're using the cadence that is established by our... I think more than anything by your auditory uh, mechanisms that are going on with your body. What sounds good to me is how I write it. He said this just like that, you know. And you can feel the writing. You read it, and you're beating, you're beating off. Uh, you're you have a beat going that you can go with the beat. Like a good dance has a great musical background. Like a great rapper has a good beat to go by and. You're looking for that metronome that helps the guy who's trying to learn the musical instrument. So those are good guidances. There's a good overhead transparency to go by. But then it branches out and it's organic. It's my flavor of where I've been and how I want to interject that language with the world. And I try to be very upfront about anything that's from somebody else. I put a lot of sound clips into this show. I'll reference things when I'm writing because I want those folks to have the credit. I don't care if they're dead or where their intellectual property belongs to them or maybe the you know, patent is up, the trademark is free. It's public domain. I don't care. That's You don't hear me say I don't care a lot, but in those situations, I their idea is their idea as far as I'm concerned. For like at least the fact that it was their idea is is never gonna not gonna be true. Whether it legally belongs to them could be different, but I'm still going to honor the uh, the thought. Uh, that's that's important to me. So anyway, the books around me. There's a Harper's book of quotations. There is, uh, is it? How is his name spelled? Tibbles. T i b b a l s. Jeff Tibbles. Mammoth book of insults. Some of these are from. Other things I've listened to. Jerry Lawler, the one of my favorite wrestling commentators, always talks about the big book of insults from Tibbles. So I so I bought it because he said that he steals a lot of his lines out of there 
And I thought, I like what he said on his show. I'm going to read that. I'm going to be entertained. It's not for me to use on somebody else. Um, I never do that. Um, it's funny because I've, I've said to other people, hey, I, I read this from this book, you know, and I think my <laughs> I was flipping through there and it said something. Uh, it said, your mama's so ugly, even the tide wouldn't take her out. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's messed up. But, you know, they, they all kinds of animals, walruses and seals and, and whales and whatever else get beached. Turtles and crabs and everything else get washed up on shore. So, if, you know, maybe mama's like a spare tire. Uh, what else is in this office? There's a giant uh, hardback collection of the, it says, the New Yorker Encyclopedia of Cartoons. And that was a not a super expensive set, even though it looks that way. I got it from World Market. It's still in the in the wrap. Uh that is, the, it sounds like the Fuji's. It's the Wyclef uh, Bible Commentary. I picked that up when I was at, at Goodwill, along with um, Leaders of the Old Days from the Master Library. That is a, a retelling of uh, biblical characters um, that's there. I got both of those as more of a gift, but they're they're on display until I find whoever I'm going to give them to. So if you're out there, you end up with these books. I, I've been hanging on to them, and I customized that gift just for you. Uh, I have a bunch of series uh, books from the series of the Reader's Digest um, humor. Some of it's people in uniform. Some of it's you know special kinds of jokes. The one that's right in front of me is the Treasury of American Humor. I believe that one is like the 1962 edition. I have a couple of other editions of those. There's a couple of books in the back that are, I mean, they're just, they're not fit for TV or or whatever other distribution in 2022, like uh, Truly Tasteless Jokes. Those are, they're jokes from the, the middle of the last century. And though there's a lot of people with free speech who would tell those kinds of things that are roast or whatever else where you might could still get away with it. Doesn't fly a whole lot now, right? Um. Sometimes when I'm sad, I just start to sing. What can cheer me up? Customized insurance is the thing. Oh, I can't hold a high note. I got no endurance. But I saved a bunch with Liberty Mutual Insurance. Wherever I go, I help them customize and save. With my pal Limu. Come on, bud. Give him a wave. There's one thing to remember from all my days of rambling. It's Liberty Mutual customizes your insurance, so you only pay for what you need. Thanks for understanding. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Okay. I had to get up. The The big book in the back is the the ultimate laughter book from Reader's Digest. That's a, that's a big book. <laughs> and then there's a bunch of dad jokes, dad jokes part two, stuff like that. I've never even opened many of those books. And completing the list on my on my bookshelf in my office is like the ultimate, where it's like all, all the books into one of the Chuck Norris facts. Great book, great illustrations. And uh, I have Be More Vader, Be More Yoda, and Be More Lando. These uh, Star Wars-inspired books where they take lessons from how Vader does things and how you could improve your life by being more like this lesson from Darth Vader. But it's an optimistic spin on those things. It's not like it tells you to take over the world and destroy planets. So uh, I, I get a, I love humor. I love when 
you can take something. It, it's a very wrestling vibe to me. You take something that's questionable and turn it into something that is at least projected in a light that is extremely positive. Like, why wouldn't you want to win the world championship and pin his shoulders to the mat? But he'll be sad and he'll lose. Yeah, but I'll be the winner. And it's just, it's a very different way of looking at things that taken. <laughs> I don't own any, like, hey, Here's what we can learn from Hitler. Now, that sounds like a very compassionate sort of thing that you would need to go, okay, we're going to have to examine what other people are doing in the world, be conscious, be active, get ahead of things, not allow people like the National Socialist Party to be able to ever get up and off the ground and do that kind of damage. That's what you'd learn from Hitler, right? You'd learn to prevent... Uh, certain things you're looking for indicators you want to be aware you want to be on guard and you want to smash that before it gets out of control there's probably other people who would look to it and they would say you know he was a very charismatic public speaker you could learn a few things you know i'm sure charlie chaplin did a great impression and he did a good look off with you know look alike with adolf and stuff there's all sorts of cultural entertainment-based things that have come from... I mean, if you... They used to call the History Channel the Hitler Channel because it was World War II all the time and was this and that and the other. And there's been so many series where World War II is now in color. And Netflix has... I've seen a dozen different series of what they're doing about these weapons and, and these situations and tactics and the secret life of these people and the, the people hunting down people who had performed war crimes... It's even today, uh, the audience for everything that went on back then is like this cultural experiment going wrong, right? The movie, uh, is it called, there's two different movies on the Stanford experiment, and um, I really enjoyed both of those, and I, it's escaping me right now. Stanford Prison Experiment. Uh, is something that went on back in uh, the 70s in, uh, in there you go, movie, uh, in, at Stanford University. Um, yeah, the movie is called The Stanford Prison Experiment. It's from 2015. Um, and it was a different one that I've seen. That's I'm not going to find it right here. But that, if you don't know the history, is... Basically, these professors at the school did a psychological experiment and said, half of these people are going to be guards, half of these people are going to be inmates, and we're going to treat this as if it's a prison. They have to do what the guards say. Are they going to, you know, that basically is what you're looking at. Are they going to abuse uh, the power and so forth and so on? And so, um, very interesting um, sort of happenings. It's it's very much what you're looking at in terms of the old days or World War Two or otherwise. Here is the other one. It's cute it, that's a uh I just saw the picture. Forrest Whitaker is with um Adrian Brody from the piano. And it's they just call that one the experiment from two thousand and ten. That was the other one that is is based off of the same um, sort of 
dramatization of the Stanford experiment that happened with the students. But this is as pervade as if it's a, a story that's happening in a real prison. Obviously, one of those based on a true story kinds of things, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on Ed Gein from Wisconsin who dug his mother up and one other person didn't, you know, he killed like one person. And somehow they turn it into the Texas Chainsaw Cannibal Family and it just... <laughs> It's just not how that was going. Um, It would be very much like me telling you that your soy milk is real milk. It's not. It's not milk. It's not from a mammary gland. That's juice. Move on with your day. Hmm. Uh, I never understood that. If, If I were to let my milk go really, really bad and be chunky. Could I sell it as cottage cheese? Or, But it looks and has the texture of cottage cheese, right? But that's not, that's not what cottage cheese is. It's, well, that's not what milk is either. So, Just wondering how far we can take our exaggerations. But I, I really enjoy uh, when everybody works, you know, uh, together. That's kind of been the point of this episode. And, you know, the Stanford Prison Experiment, it was... People didn't work together. Things went sideways. And uh, it's unfortunate that uh, we're more or less built like that as a species. I don't know that that's not something that's sort of programmed in us somewhere. That we can't all get along and all live together. Because once we try to do that, the population would, in and of itself would strip the planet of natural resources and the air quality and the water and you're seeing it all around you right now i mean it's like 135 degrees in china uh yeah you see drought here too much rain there it's what happens it changes the ecological cycle of the planet once there's that many people it starts throwing the resources out of whack and so when you look at it and you say i can't buy this material thing i can't get this iphone this stove that i want to order i can't get food at the grocery store right there's only so much land to be able to farm chickens and put these things in the ground and you can only pull so much out of a crop so whoever gets it gets it and the the other people don't because now there's not enough to go around coke with coffee we blended coke with rich coffee for one very good reason your afternoon pick-me-up routine needed it simple as that Coke with coffee. In this perfect world, could you hypothetically do that? It's a rough, rough no. Because you need trees to rejuvenate the air. You need clean water. There's certain systems on our planet that have to be huge. They have to be big enough to break down the pollution. And the more people and the less of the natural things that you have out there the less it can even handle the pollution. And you just continue to live this lower quality of life. As we live longer, medicine gets better. And then the quality of the human existence is going to suffer greatly. You can stay inside and you can run your air conditioner, but that just pumps more carcinogens into the air. And there's no way for us all to live inside and drop everything off door to door. You know, it's... You're seeing all kinds of hybrids of biological things happen between monkeypox and COVID and SARS and so forth. And that will continue to happen. It'll be in different variations. Um, 
and certain things are reproductive you know, deficiencies, whether that's uh, a sexually transmitted disease, so it makes us less likely to procreate. Uh, but the planet has things that will, when we get into these dangerous areas, kind of like when you have your radiation badge and it starts turning black, that's where you're going with all of this. You're getting to a point where you're not going to be able to turn it around for a very, very large number of people. Uh, most everybody will survive, but you're going to lose um, a great deal of, of folks who just don't have resources, they don't have money, and they're their world is not developed enough to survive the sort of heat that's coming in the future. That's not a conspiracy theory. You're going to watch it happen. Um, they're already talking about how often heat waves will happen in the next century, but it'll be faster than that. And it's a shame um, that we've gotten so reckless about just having half a family and people have a kid and then they split up and people get together and then they just drop it and... It's, commitment is, is really what we're lacking to be able to have a, a fruitful future because we're not committed to the relationships that we started with. We're not committed to the family. We're not committed to living where we used to live. We just travel everywhere. Well, that lack of commitment, not only to the people, but to the world around you, is what's going to ultimately uh, unravel the quilt that is keeping us warm. Um destroys the fabric of life because the planet's all you got it's where you eat sleep breathe everything so i will uh, wrap up this episode of you know i don't know that the central word is anything but community you know an episode on community i i'm very big on acknowledging everybody you say hello, how are you doing? You open the door, carry something for somebody, whatever it might be. The more that people have the ability to recognize how close and how tightly woven our society is from one person to the next, you deserve, you know, there's plenty of folks who, in the scheme of the world, can grow some food and live on their own without depending on the food chain, but it ain't a lot of them. Like, there's a large number because there's 8 billion people, but the percentage of people, not very high. And that way of life and that, that sort of ability to be able to be sustainable in and of yourself, psh, it's farther and farther away every single year. We depend more and more on one company to package beef or these five companies to run like 92% of the brands in the grocery store. You may look at the meat department and go, whoop, yep, that right there, that's Hillshire Farms and that's Purdue and that's Tyson and that's two companies involved in that. They just own all the different brands. So it's a shame that a lot of folks um, are, I guess just... They're missing the sort of consciousness about, hey, I don't have to get along with anybody. In, in fact, you do, because it's dangerous for all of us when you don't. So all we're asking you to do is work with us. It may not have a big human resources department. We may not have a list of things that you have to abide by. 
We have certain codes, right? We have laws and ordinances and freedoms. Depending where you live in the world, those change. But all we really are acting, every, asking everybody to do is, is sort of respect each other's uh, right to live. Um, and the right to live is, is one comprehensive thing, right? Because the right to, like, procreate and all those things. Like, China has the one child rule. And I think they've changed that a little. Uh, not up to date. I'm going to be very clear about that. But the more that you exercise in excess your right to live, the more difficult it makes for everybody else to survive. Not to keep up. Not to get as many views. Not to go viral. Not to influence like you do. The harder it makes everybody else's ability to survive. So I'm... I don't know. I'm very proud of the work that I did yesterday with my father and so many other things that happened around the world, around me. I, I understand you get behind the wheel of a car, you want to go fast. You're, you're you know, up and down where I live here, there's a big straightaway. And weather guys have, you know, have modifications, or whatever. It's, it's loud because they're boodin, boodin, boodin. who cares? I'm going fast. We've been doing that for 150 years now, so it's, it's not really that impressive anymore. First we did it on horses. Now we're doing it in motorized and electrical thing. Who cares? There's a reason you'll die from going that fast. <laughs> You're not supposed to go that fast. The laws of nature prevent it. But we've built a car and we've tried to make it safe because you're reckless. That's why. Why do you think we make you wear a seatbelt? People in general are reckless. Preserve life. But the reality of it is that if you wanted to, you know, there's too much freedom there. I could drive my car 16 hours a day if I want. Oh, that's right. You could. You could burn up all the gas you want. You know, it's not healthy for the future of everybody. But. You could. You could talk about toxic things and start arguments all the time. But that's not healthy for any relationship. You're not working with people. You're working against them. And that is the difference. There's a major difference. What's tragic about the situation, like I spoke of earlier... It's tragic about the situation is that you have this very large number of folks who are not knowledgeable to the fact that they have an influence. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. It's not the same as chewing with your mouth open. It's, oh my God, that's disgusting. That's not going to do anything that's going to harm the longevity of your species. However... Many of the beha- you know, behavior is, is the, the culture, the vanity, the, the excess is what will. So if you said, hey, that's a lot of food and that's too many calories and you're chewing with your mouth open. Um, well, the chewing with your mouth open is a coincidence. But the fact that the person weighs some excessive amount of healthy pounds 
is the tragic part of it. Because when you decide that you can just consume as much as you want, and that's fine, it puts a burden on everybody else because now they have to either produce that food or support you with their life insurance, their health insurance premiums. When you work at a company, the company health insurance is affected by that. Everything has to then be accommodated you know, right, because you can't, people come in all shapes and sizes, they do, they come in all shapes and sizes, but they grow to um, what are less than average shapes and sizes, and though you may think that because a certain number of people throw that off, because there's so much weight on one side of that scale, or not enough on the other side of that scale, it does not make it natural, Um, there's a reason that your body then has all of these problems, and you have to exercise to balance it out you have to take all these different sort of medications because my body's not doing what it's supposed to with insulin oh is that right oh is that what type 2 diabetes looks like oh okay some people are naturally going to have those things but there's other behaviors that recklessly lead to that Um, that's just one of the consequences that happens to you as a person when those behaviors are like that you know you drive too fast you get in a wreck you might have a limp for a long time Mm. you might walk a little slower. Well, people who are carrying extra weight often walk a little slower because there's a lot of weight. big truck does not get up and move off the line as fast as a small, fast, speedy race car. It's very different. There is a reason that a horse that's carrying a person can run faster than four horses that are carrying a buggy. It's just how it is. That's just physics and there's no, I'm a math and science guy, so whenever people have had discussions like this with me, I very rarely have ever had anybody say, you know, you're going about that the wrong way. You're, you know what you're saying? It's insensitive. It's driven by mathematics and the laws of nature. There's nothing to be insensitive about. If you don't acknowledge the world that you live in, that's fine. You can live in a place that is not reality. You're still subject to the consequences of everything that happens right here on Earth. So whatever mental state you're in, or whatever kind of compassionate or outrageous approach you might be taking, I promise you that what happens on the tail end of it is extremely real. And there's no way to escape what is the penalty for an excessive lifestyle, whether you're a person who's doing it to, to some wild degree, you're drinking too much and your liver's waking up next to you. And, oh, we had to go to church. Why? I had a good time last night. Well, because you got spots on your skin and you got cirrhosis of the liver. That's why. You work out too much. You can obviously have a, a tremendous amount of things that go wrong with you there if you don't eat enough. Well, there's anorexia. There's people who throw it back up and have bulimia. There's a variety of words and diagnoses for things nowadays because we've become so <laughs> complicated with choices that we've found new ways to punish ourselves. In the old days, they'd stake you down and put bamboo shoots under your fingernails and do all these hammer you, your joints and they torture you. Chinese water torture. That sounds so simple, right? Just a sink and a drop of water. But not nowadays. 
Nowadays, the punishment involves a car battery, a chicken, and a bottle of lube. Like, I don't <laughs> But so, I'm just like, what, what, what? But you see that. You see it in your movies. You see it everything else, right? We've burned up all the creative ways in the past. We got, we're going to do something new, damn it. What are we going to do? Are we going to wake up? We're going to eat and breathe and pass gas and you're going to have bowel movements and you're going to go to sleep. That's what you're going to do. You're going to do that until one day your system quits and that's called death. That's it. This other stuff that you're doing is entertainment. You may look at it as innovative or whatever. I may call it excessive. But at the end of the day, in order for you to have life, the same fundamental things apply. You need air to breathe. You need oxygen in your blood. You need food to enhance your system. You probably should protect yourself so that your immune system is not overwhelmed and you live. And you, quite frankly, need to have healthy appetites so that you can procreate and have a next generation. Otherwise, this is where the human race stops. Anything more complicated than that is an addition. Those are options. Those are innovations to life. Sometimes it makes life more exciting and longer and stronger and it's way more fun. Yeah. But then the question becomes, just like when you stray from that human resources conversation of it's all about business. It's all about living, surviving, procreating. You know, the the basics, right? The things that survival instincts. Once you build farther than that, once you start going way down that list, you're farther away from our top priorities. You may be taking away from our top priorities. You may be destroying our ability to focus on our top priorities because much like a budget that starts out trying to do simple things and you start adding on all these other projects, the other projects can suck the life out of what was the existence of... This is, this is why we have a company. We're taking care of the people we work with. We want to you know, do business in a community. We want to provide jobs and, and do a service right here. We're trying to build community. We're trying to do something good. And we're trying to make some money. Oh, great. And then you become part of something bigger, and there's stockholders, and there's people all over the place that start stretching what the company does out. And it's not ever what it started out as, right? It changes. It's now mutated from that beginning. What was this is now very different than the vision the founders had. And that's the argument people have about the Constitution and everything else. The founders had the the Declaration of Independence. They're going to write our Constitution. They're going to come up with a Bill of Rights to supplement that. And then they've given us all these tools to legislate and judiciary. And they've got the executive branch. And we're going to go about our daily business. And here we are a couple of centuries later still trying to function off of that. It's very different than how it started out. The ideas are extremely different. And yet, we still have the arguments about whether we still have the same thing in our mind that those people who wrote that had in their mind. Well, if it had been anything else, a trademark, a patent, there's nothing else that is not public domain, it's not free, it's not considered something that is open to broad interpretations you can copy it you can do whatever the hell you want with it because it's public domain like anything written by Strauss or Bach or Beethoven or Mozart all of those things are wonderful beautiful genius compositions just like the founding documents of the United States 
They're also from several centuries ago, and the shelf life on their protection ran out then. So the, the fact that we still try to honor it is unique. That's good because that's, that's a genuine effort. You're trying to stick true to your roots. I love that. That's why the company started. That's why the country started. You're going to try to maintain that. But the more you try to do, <laughs> the farther you get from where you started out and the harder it is to maintain the focus. The farther you stray from home, the farther it is to get back home. The British Empire tried to do this years and years ago, and there's India and China, you know, British colonies throughout North America, all over the world, and yet they're never able to maintain that. Why? Because eventually local governments pop up, and they're more dynamic, and then it becomes whether they want to cluster up and stay together. And sometimes they form something like the European Union. And then sometimes there's a stronger country in the Union. And they say, well, we don't need these cucks. And so they just form a Brexit and bail on out of there. It's just the way it is. It's, it's the nature of, of people. We change. We're dynamic, growing organisms. We're evolving. And that's what evolution is. You may look at evolution and argue about it and go, uh-uh. Uh-oh, this is intelligent design. You're missing the point of the concept of evolution is not tied to the fact that it has to be written and analyzed this way. Just the abstract idea of evolution in general, what, what the word means to evolve, is to progress. This came from that, came from this, came from that. That's why you have more complicated diseases. That's why you have more complicated drugs to fight those diseases. World's always catching up with itself. You're gonna pour your oil in the river and light it on fire, and we're gonna try to do what we can to clean the river back up. Is it ever gonna be the same as it used to be? Nope. And the quicker you acknowledge some of those things and then try to do the best you can with the future, great, move on. But there's so many of us who hang on to previous relationships or how it used to be, or mom is dead and dad's gone, and that sucks for the things that you, those memories that you have, if you're looking at those, you know, this is great. This is just like mom used to make, right? Have fun. I'm so sad mom's not here to share this with us. I'm sure she felt the same way when she lost people too. That's a human emotion. Very natural. What can you do about that? You can spread the word. You can make mom's famous apple pie for everybody at the event you're going to. Take some to work. Keep some in the refrigerator every week. You know, there's knowledge that you can take from that and interject into your everyday life. Of course, the person has gone, so things have changed. But the fundamentals of taking care of your community, which came from those people and the people before them, are often things that we have lost Often those people that you want to honor would never have treated people or lived to the excess that our current generation does. And yet we miss them as if we're wanting to honor them and their spirit and do them proud. Hmm. 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 I would say the behavior doesn't line up with it. And you're a newer generation. You're making your own choices. You have your own interpretation, your own options. 
but there's a lot of folks who do the tiny home and they live off the land. They're minimalists and everything else. So there's there's other options out there. So acknowledge that to be objective for one. Secondly, um, if there's it's almost inevitable to say that people who are living in excess are going against anything that they were ever raised on. Uh, you, you could be raised in a in a non-sustainable world and this you know endless pleasure kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I really, really love the idea that if I go, if I knock on the next door neighbor's house, I'm not going to say her name, but if I knock on the door, I gave her some corn out of my dad's garden, and she said, "Hold on, you like cinnamon rolls?" And I said, "Well, well, yeah. Who don't like cinnamon rolls?" <laughs> she said, "Well, I'm gonna, I want to take, let me, let me take this corn inside. I'm going to give you some cinnamon rolls. Your dad like them? Well, yeah, he likes cinnamon." Rolls. I'm going to give you two. And she went and got two. And these were cinnamon rolls that she had baked and frozen. They had to do the icing on the top, raisins in it. Oh, it was so good. And I, the funny part of the story for me was I took some over to my dad's house. They'd been frozen. He wasn't home. My stepmother had just gotten home. And so I laid them on the hood of her car because he's going to park next to her and he's going to see them and go inside. He's not going to miss the cinnamon rolls. And so... I texted my stepmom a little later and, and said, you know, did dad get the cinnamon rolls? She said, yeah, he's almost eaten all of them. I said, wait a minute. I gave him frozen cinnamon rolls. How did he, he heated it? How did he heat them up? They're in an aluminum pan. I guess he could put them in the oven. She said, when he got here, they were ready. I had forgotten this genius idea that I had, which was to set it on the hood of her car which was still warm. It had still had the big spot in the middle of the hood where she had turned it off, but the car had been running, and it was hot. It defrosted those cinnamon rolls by the time he got home. I was a fabulous son, but I was so, I was kind of like, well, he didn't. He, he's eating excessively because I had been eating some of the cinnamon rolls, and they were so good. I was eating like half of one at a time to make it, to stretch it as far as I could, right? Sometimes when you're having pleasure like that, you just want to do it over. And over again, and and I, hey, it was a great, great batch of cinnamon rolls. So I, I loved it. Um, he apparently um, didn't need it to last that long. So um, I, I, whenever he, I think about that cinnamon roll story, I think about that Toby Keith song. You know, I'm, I ain't as good as I once was, but I eat as much once as I ever did. <laughs> you can spend the words how you need to. But uh, the great music video, I love, you know, some of those, uh, country music is, is an interesting theme, and I listen to some of that more now than I used to. Because back then, that I was listening to way more wrestling and sports-oriented, a lot of rock and roll, you know. And I still play those things, um, but it's just interesting to go back and listen to music from, like, the 80s and 90s and stuff like that now and go... Wow, it's a lot more like, hey, uh, you you want to care about this person and just the wholesome idea of this and that and the other. And yet now, most of the things that I hear nowadays are, are very, like, in your face. It's, I'm going to do this. Somebody was wrong. Somebody was right. Pay attention to me. It's not community-based. It's just not. Um, there's some good love songs and stuff that I've I've heard. But it's not the overall theme of what I hear, and that's that's a shame. With so many people, you'd think there'd be so much more community. Turns out it's more like the fabric department at Walmart. It's not one big quilt. It's more like all the individual pieces of the quilt, and they're being sold at discount. People don't value each other, 
and they're interchangeable. And it's a shame. Anyway, I'm going to throw some music in here for the end credits. I appreciate you listening to Michael L. Craver Presents. Um, probably we'll record some, some more episodes to put in the vault uh, before the promotion next week. Um, but I'm I'm very happy. My in, Is it 14? Today is 14. So in two weeks' time, my uh, eldest son will be will be 16 years old and very the mon, the monster he's the monster among men like braun Strowman, uh six foot two and 220 pounds and what a nice kid he's I, they tell me he's reading and operating and everything on a sophomore level in college so i i hope he keeps doing that but i hope he keeps doing what else he's doing he's he's helping around it, family, take care of his brother and sister, the animals, the garden, his grandparents. Good kid, community kid. So, um, it's, I don't have these deep talks with him that I probably will when he gets to be a little older, but it's, I don't need to say what I want to say, uh, because he's already doing it. He's looking after family. He talks to people. How you doing? Opens the door for folks at the restaurant. I've seen him do countless things for people on playgrounds uh, where he's, you know, stepped out of the way or helped people who are smaller than him or whatever. It's interesting. Um, and I don't think he does it for, like, it's not to get a thank you or anything like that. It's just to be part of something different. It's it's acknowledging somebody else. They acknowledge you. You're part of teamwork. And they used to preach about this at other restaurants I worked at. Uh, teamwork makes the dream work. You know, Whatever your slogan might be, I've always enjoyed when a well-oiled team works together. And I'm hoping the Rangers... I saw that. The New York Rangers opening game this year. The preseason starts on the 26th. They'll be playing on the 27th. So I'm very excited. If you don't have it, you like hockey, uh, the, the way to get the season pass is through ESPN+. Plus. It's like $60 for the whole year. However many games that is of just hockey... There's God. There's golf and football and football and college sports and everything that's on ESPN and ESPN Plus. Um, there's so many other things that are from other networks on there. Um, it, I love it. I love it. There's so many documentaries too because ESPN's like a full-fledged channel with all this other content. But uh, I'm looking forward to hockey season. I'm looking forward to Colt turning 16, and uh, I'm looking forward to being a leader uh, around here because. Um, I'm hoping maybe that'll get a few of us um, working together. Maybe enhance the lives of some other folks, be a good influence, hear what they have to say, see how we can all be best suited to to work together. And uh, I mean, I get to make many of those decisions, but uh, much like my long-winded podcasts, I like to have as much information as as possible for those things. So I don't think that's a bad thing. Take care of yourself, and we'll talk again soon. This has been Michael L. Craver Presents. Thank you for listening to another episode of Michael L. Craver Presents and exercising the first step in any process. Feel free to like, subscribe, share it with someone. It's on every streaming platform from Stitcher to iTunes, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music. Or ask Alexa 
Play Michael L. Craver presents. Enjoy your day.